0: Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 158, Managing an Online Literary Magazine, an interview with Carol L. Wright and A.E. Decker, coming to you on Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. I know I probably seem like I say this every week, and I probably do, but it was so interesting interviewing Carol and Anne. They have so many interesting things to say about Bethlehem Writers Group. In Bethlehem Pennsylvania and what they have decided to do with forming this literary magazine and also kind of linked to their anthologies they have a writers contest that is by the way every year and coming up soon so listen to the episode and uh, get the link so that you can find out more Uh You may remember that just um, maybe two months ago, I was interviewing Marianne Donnelly, also from Bethlehem Writers Group, and she was explaining to us how they put together their anthologies that are every other year, and what are some of the pros and cons, how you should decide whether or not this is something that you and your writers group want to do, or you you and your group of fellow writing friends. Uh, And so I asked a lot of the same questions to Carol and Anne, What entails uh, what kind of work is entailed in putting on an online literary magazine and uh, how does it all work and what questions should we ask to decide if this is something that we want to get involved in so lots of great answers we've got uh links in the show notes and also um Uh, reading out the urls so that you can find them in the interview it's going to be um, very very helpful for those of you who are trying to figure out do i want to do something more with my writing um, besides just the writing do i want to get involved in some other volunteer things create something else uh, in a creative endeavor and you know encouraging and helping other writers too so carolyn ann have a lot of the uh, answers to your questions in the interview Uh, If you are listening to this on the day that the episode airs, I am having a very busy and fun week. I will have just gotten back from my very first trip to London. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. (laughs) Now, just so that you know, I have been watching the weather app. It is going to be all rain. The entire 10-day forecast. (laughs) So thank goodness I've lived in uh, Wellington, New Zealand and Malmö, Sweden. And rain is not anything that I can't handle. (laughs) As they say in Sweden, this is my favorite Swedish saying, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. And I found that to be quite true. So I'm going to bring all of my rain gear, possibly, to London. Um, That's what I'm going to do. But by the time you listen to this, I will have already been there and had an amazing experience, I'm sure. Even if I get rained on, it'll still be an amazing experience. And see my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And then... um, So that will have happened just a few days ago. And then yesterday in your time is my husband's birthday. So I can tell you that I have surprises for him and a cake and friends coming over and yay, that'll be super fun. And then tomorrow your time is my last day at Massive Entertainment, which is so sad and equally so exciting because I'm finally going to be working full-time on writing again for at least some amount of time. Um, because part of my brain is like, you know, I probably could find something that they absolutely need someone to do this or that job for just a couple of days a week so that I can still write full time and also be around super cool, creative, fun people. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. One thing at a time. You can tell I'm very excited about both not leaving my awesome friends and co-workers and also I'm so excited to get back to writing and um, when I was interviewing Carol and Ann about their contest I was thinking hmm what could I do that would fit in with the theme of their contest this year so I hope that you get equally psyched about uh, everything they have to say and feel all motivated to think up more story ideas or just you know what it's just nice talking to other writers isn't it so Either way, I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this interview. I hope you have a fabulous week. If it is raining where you are, think of what perfect clothing that you could wear in the rain that would be making it not, well, it's going to be wet, but maybe you could be physically not wet. rain pants that's what I learned I buy rain pants in Sweden never bought them before but they're very very helpful Uh, way different from when I lived in Sydney and I swear almost every single night it seemed like during a several month period I would um, go stand at the bus stop it would start to rain I would go to my um, I got my master's degree at the University of Technology Sydney and I would sit in class for three hours on a Wednesday night in soaking wet jeans thinking why why do i keep getting soaking wet and i don't know what to wear the answer was rain pants don't know if i've ever seen them in sydney but my sydney friends rain pants <laughs> all right whatever kind of weather you're having i hope it is inspiring you to think of something really cool in your book maybe the sun's out over some really evil deeds being done cuz evil be- deeds being done in the sunshine is almost creepier than <laughs> in the middle of the night right or if it's raining where you are hopefully you have an idea for maybe like a cozy mystery cat hot chocolate thing I don't know but um, yes I do have an idea that has a cat in it so I'm gonna go write down some notes for that and in the meantime listen to the interview and think about what notes you want to make about your writing life I hope you have a great week here's the interview. Today's guests are Carol L. Wright and A.E. Decker. Carol L. Wright escaped a career in law and academia for one in writing. She loves writing her Gracie McIntyre cozy mysteries where unlike in life, justice always prevails. The first in the series, Death in Glenville Falls, was a finalist for both the 2018 Killer Nashville Silver Falchon Award and the 2018 Next Generation Indie Book Award. She also writes short stories in many genres that have been published in a variety of literary journals and award-winning anthologies. A collection of her short stories, entitled A Christmas on Nantucket and Other Stories, will be published in November 2019. She is the founder of the Bethlehem Writers Group, LLC, and founding executive editor of the online literary magazine, Bethlehem Writers Roundtable. She is a life member of both Sisters in Crime and the Jane Austen Society of North America. She is also a member of Sisters in Crime Guppies, Pen Writers, and the Greater Lehigh Valley Writers Group. She is married to her college sweetheart, and they live in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania with their rescue dog and clouder of cats. A.E. Decker, a longtime resident of Pennsylvania, studied literature and history before turning to writing. She's been a member of the Bethlehem Writers Group since 2010 and edited two of their anthologies, Once Around the Sun and A Readable Feast. She is the current chief editor of their e-zine, the Bethlehem Writers' Roundtable. In 2011, she attended the prestigious Odyssey Writers' Workshop for speculative fiction. In addition to numerous published short stories, she is the author of Moonville, sorry, Moonfall Mayhem, a YA fantasy series published by World Re- Weaver Press. She is currently at work on Book 5, the final book in the series. The fourth book, A Trick of the Moonlight, is due out in 2020. Like all writers, Ms. Decker is owned by three cats and is secretly an octopus. Welcome, Carol and Ann. Nice you. to be here. It's so good to have you guys on the show. Uh, a few months ago, one of your cohorts, Marianne Donnelly, was on the show talking about this amazing thing that your writers group was doing with anthologies. But in talking about that, she mentioned the easing and the contest. And I was thinking, who are these Wonder Women? <laughs>
1: are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so just so everybody who's listening understands, um, having a little bit of audio, uh, quality issues that I'm trying really hard not to talk over top of anybody so that hopefully it cl- comes through clearly. So if you're wondering about some odd pauses, it's all three of us smiling at each other going, okay, who should talk next? <laughs> well, let's kind of start at the beginning. So, um, Mary Ann, for anybody who listened to that episode, has told us a little bit about what you do. But Carol, you founded the group. It's an LLC, which is um, very interesting to me. I have never been a member of a writer's group that got that official unless it was a Romance Writers of America group. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about like starting the organization in the first place and then how we got into uh, all, the, all the wonderful pies you guys have created.
2: Well, we all started as a writer's group meeting at the Barnes & Noble in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, We met once a month, and whoever came, came, and we talked about craft, we gave each other critiques, and the group grew from May of 2006 into the the summer of 2006 from four people at the first meeting to about 16 people by uh, the middle of the summer, and that was too big. We just didn't have time to go over everyone's work. But there was so much enthusiasm and so much interest in the group that eventually we settled down to about a group of eight, um, sometimes more, and we did a lot of um, challenges for each other and kept each other writing, talked a lot about craft, learned a lot from each other, and uh, became a very effective critique group. And there came a day when we decided that we wanted to be more than just a critique group. And we challenged each other to create an anthology, which we did in 2009. We uh, put out a Christmas sampler, and I just got a copy of it here. We called it Sweet, Funny, and Strange Holiday Tales. We call all of our anthologies Sweet, Funny, and Strange because that pretty much sums up who we are as a group. And we, um, we ended up winning two awards from the Next Generation Indie Book Awards, which was a big surprise to us. We got Best Anthology and Best Short Fiction that year.
0: In so, your first year?
2: Our first year, our first anthology. Wow. It was, it was a surprise to all of us, I can tell you for sure. <laughs> but at that point, we never really imagined that we would be putting out more anthologies. But we continued to work as a critique group, and we gained some more members, more skilled members, including Anne and, uh, and Marianne and some others. And uh, we, in 2011, realized that we wanted to do more than that's the one anthology. But we also knew that we had to become more of a business if we were going to do that, and that's when we became an LLC, a limited liability company. And... So those who chose to became members of the LLC and those who chose not to were not required to, but we have now a group that is, the business is run by the members of the LLC, but the critique group is open to everyone who is a member of uh, Bethlehem Writers Group, and we all participate equally. And um, in that same year, 2011, a couple of our members, independent of each other, came to us and said, why don't we do an online literary magazine? Interestingly, I think their, their initial motivation was to have an outlet for our own work, our short stories. And it took us a while to figure out exactly how we wanted to do it, but we, uh, we found that through Google Sites we could do a free website, doesn't give you a lot of uh, bells and whistles, it's not glamorous, but it's free, and that is very important for us. Uh so we put it together, we decided we'd have a featured story, each each issue. Um, and and then other stories as well and poetry. We have a feature called Betty Wrightgood, who uh is B W G, you see. Um she uh give us advice on writing from what uh, you find. It's links to uh, various sites around the web. We have an interview with somebody involved in the writing world. And um, we uh, have a mixed up word so that people don't um, mix up, exaggerate, and exacerbate because that would be that, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and we started out in 2011 with uh, three issues. One, the first one was a September-October issue, then we had one for November and one for December. And then in 2012 and 2013, we had monthly issues. Wow. A lot of work.
1: Too much work.
2: <laughs> much too much work. And then we decided, okay, we'll go to bi-monthly issues. And so for about three years, we had every two months, we put out an issues, issues a year. Still too much work. So then we went to quarterly issues. And now that seems to be at about the right pace for us to collect quality work, to uh, put it together in, a, in the website, and to uh, produce it for our readers. We were never a paying market in the beginning. We couldn't afford it. As I said, we had to use a free website. So... Um, we didn't we didn't have any money to pay out writers, but we were very grateful to them for being willing to share their work with us. And when we could, we became a paying market. So now we are paying money uh, for stories. It's we pay twenty dollars for our featured author story. We pay ten dollars for other short stories and five dollars for poems that we publish.
0: That's wonderful. I mean, sometimes it's not the amount of money, it's just the I did something, here's my badge of accomplishment.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And, and truly, we have heard from a, a number of our uh, writers that they were very pleased to be selected, even though they weren't paid in the early days. And of course, they're even
1: happier now. <laughs> right? Let's admit it, it's nice to be paid. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So true. <laughs> put put some money on the other side of the uh, the column in your checkbook.
2: <laughs> yes. so, artists deserve to be paid for their work. We yes, but do it for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Now, when you and I were talking before we started recording, um, I said, you know, basically what I'm looking for is what advice can we give to listeners when they're trying to decide pros and cons? Like, should I try this? Should I try that? There might be um, individual writers listening who think that it would be kind of cool to run an easing or have Maybe even started looking into it or started one. I don't know. Um, writers who are parts of writers who are a part of a writer's group that maybe the writer's group is thinking about doing. You know, we had the the episode already on anthologies, but maybe the writer's group is thinking about doing a contest or an e-zine. So one of the things that I asked you uh, and you kind of laughed and said, yeah, I didn't exactly do that. What can we What can we help our listeners with, like a, the list of pros and cons, the questions that you should ask yourself before you decide that you do want to do this because it's worth the time, money, and work, or maybe this is not the right thing for me or for me right now. Well, it's do a big you question? Yes.
1: <laughs> One thing I would say right off the bat is, do you have a reliable team behind you? Because you cannot do this work as a single person. So. How many people are willing to support you? How many people? Because even with the Bethlehem Writers Group, sometimes we say we need this. We really have to push a little bit to get a volunteer. So sometimes it's hard to get people to step forward and do this.
0: So the interesting thing about your group is is that people had decided before anybody can go to the writers group and that would be, I would think, more difficult to definitely get enough volunteers. But once somebody says, we're going to make this our business and these are the things we're going to do. And I imagine that um, informing the LLC, there is a little bit of money put forth by everybody in order to, you know, make it legal. So that actually gives you a sense of who's committed to it in the first place, right?
2: That's true. And Truly, I feel that uh, we have several members who are not LLC members who are as committed as those who put their money in and who who run the business. But it is essential that you have people who are willing to take part in the work that's involved in keeping the LLC going. And uh, I think that when we started the easing we thought we had some people who ended up falling by the wayside fairly quickly, but we, the other came in and filled the roles that we needed. For instance, you need an editorial team. Uh, you, it's not, it's, it's one person can't necessarily choose all of the work that is going to go into it. and can tell you what that involves.
1: <laughs> yes. Frankly, the whole e was a bit of a shock to me because you happened to decide to do this while I was away at Odyssey. So I came back from six weeks away from doing a writer's workshop and came back to find the Bethlehem Writers Group had decided to do the e and So I had to sort of like jump into the idea of doing it. It took me honestly a little while to get enthusiastic about it, but here I am as a chief editor. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <Thanks>. let's... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit
0: about some of the some of the things that you need um, uh, volunteers for. Um, so right off the top of my head, I'm thinking there's got to be some legal stuff at least in the beginning, and an annual meeting if you make it that kind of legal entity. Financial things, but um, let's talk about uh, what does your team look like? Uh, how many people are involved in various processes? Because you were saying it was more than one person, for instance, just picking the stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, for picking the stories, we have five people. For picking the poems, we have a team of four people? Or is it six for these stories and four for the poetry? I might be leaving myself out. <laughs> then we have layout editors. We have somebody who wants to look into um, improving our site, if we can do that on our budget. Uh, we have... Somebody who actually does the formatting.
2: <laughs> we have interviewers.
1: Yes, interviewers.
2: We have people who write the Betty Write Good column. It's not always the same person.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, so it's, it's a team effort, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, for instance, if somebody was thinking about doing this, they might actually consider um, – Doing it, uh, well, I guess it would just be way too much work to build up a website and do one issue and then go, yeah, no, that, <laughs> because you would, you would have already put so much into it. But it, it seems like even though you guys started it monthly and then bi-monthly and then quarterly, it seems like perhaps some good advice to somebody would be continu- uh, con- consider starting it as a quarterly.
2: Yes, that was something we learned. Yes. Excellent. I think that there's more work to it than you realize. And Mm -hmm. initially, we truly thought that we would fill it with our own work every month. And it it didn't work that way. And we opened it up for Mm -hmm. discussions and discovered that there are a lot of really talented authors out there who are looking for an outlet. And we were very happy to be able to fill our issues with work of other people. In fact, uh, I don't think we have anything in the current issue from a group member, or from or the next issue that's coming out. Do you, Anne?
1: Just the literary learnings, which is a new feature where we talk about an author or a work of literature, and that's probably always going to be written by one of us. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, aside from that,
2: that was an innovation that Anne put in when she became chief editor. <laughs>
1: I'm looking to maybe change the formula a little bit now that I've taken over, but that's future talk.
0: (laughs) Well, it's kind of one of the things if you're the person who's taking a huge amount of responsibility, then it seems like, uh, yeah, you get to suggest, uh, some changes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, one of the things that, uh, always worries me when I'm thinking about volunteering in anything, even if it's an organization I love, and I do tend to be a little bit of an over-volunteerer, <laughs> um, is what happens if this takes over the free time that I had and, and actually eats up part of my writing time. So can you speak to that a little bit since our listeners are writers, um, we're, we're, Maybe, um, maybe just giving us your personal line in the sand or um, or maybe you have an example from the group.
1: <laughs> I think that nod was to me. <laughs> well, uh, I am, I think, a fairly disciplined writer about sitting down to write every absolutely every single day, and there was a time when we were getting so many submissions that it was eating into my schedule a little bit, but. I would get the work done and then I would do my own work and I am working on book five of the series. So I do actually have a deadline to tend to. So if you don't have a schedule with a certain amount of flexibility, that's definitely a very important thing to consider because if you only can dedicate so much time a week or a day to writing or to working on writing related material, you might want to think twice before actually volunteering for something this big. Mm-hmm.
2: When uh, Anne took over, and I, I think it had to do with Anne specifically, um, our submissions exploded.
1: Uh, wow. No wonder why.
2: <laughs> and it kept Anne very busy, but it also kept all of our editorial team very busy reviewing work and giving feedback and, we don't have any more slots in the magazine than we used to, so unfortunately, that meant that many really good, promising authors got rejection slips. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it made us feel honored to have them submit to us, and uh, in the september we were we were a little bit awestruck. <laughs> and recently traveled for uh, about 10 days and we actually had to close the submissions for 10 days because if we hadn't, when she came home, there would be a hundred things that we had to go through. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, it was it was quite an onslaught there for a while.
1: Yeah, and it's the processing, processing the submissions takes time and then getting people to read them and then processing after they've been judged. It all is very time consuming. So I'm, oh, go ahead.
2: Plus, Anne has the responsibility of deciding which stories or poems go in which issues and how they fit the themes that we've developed for each issue. So it's, it's not a small job, and I'm very grateful to Anne for
1: taking that. <laughs> yeah, that used to be Carol's job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of the things that now I'm also thinking as a person who went to business school, um, do you uh, once a year or so have to sort of look back, like you do with your writing career, look back at what worked what didn't didn't ask yourself what you might want to change because in some ways um, a little too much success could actually be detrimental to how much you're enjoying the project is that right
2: sure yeah.
0: have you had any discussions or, or anything like that about um, uh, you know, like 100 100 submissions and doing that quarterly that's 400 plus pieces that you might be reading every year that's that's a lot that's more than one a day
1: Mm
2: -hmm. we were getting five or six a day so it was definitely
1: (laughs) it was very much and it's flattering it's it's really nice to get that many pieces but then because earlier we weren't getting so many pieces we'd sometimes maybe accept something that we liked but wasn't maybe as high as standard as we would have liked something better came along but now we didn't have the space for it so that's another balance we have to learn about when if we go back to getting that many submissions again but i think
2: that it's an ongoing process to evaluate where we are mm-hmm. and where we want to go and it's it's not an annual thing it's it's a, probably a quarterly thing
1: with each
0: and that's partially because you set it up as a business and this is these are business decisions that you need to take into account?
2: Well, from the business angle is handled by the LLC members and we meet on every fifth Tuesday of the month. And of course, as you know, not all months have a fifth Tuesday. So we end up meeting about four times a year. So, and then we handle issues come up on all the various aspects of, of BWD, uh, publishing our anthologies, publishing the easing, running our contest, and anything else that comes before us.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great segue, because another thing that you guys do, because you don't do enough, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> is do I understand you have actually two contests? No, just one.
1: Just one? Yeah, we... We run two contests for every anthology, so we, we put out an anthology bi-yearly, so the contest runs on the same theme twice.
0: Ah, okay, so let's say if it comes out, um, or I'm trying to think of a date far enough in the future, for, for say it's a 2022 anthology, then you might run the contest in 2020 and 2021 or something like that
1: something like that. We have our next anthology is uh, animal themes. And we had one year of competition on that already and picked a winner. And that will also be this winter's uh, contest. And then the anthology will be published next fall. Excellent.
2: Our contest runs from January 1st until about the end of March. Sometimes we've extended the deadline if we felt we had room for more entries. And um, then, With The 2019 winner, the first-place winner, has their story published in our anthology, and the 2020 winner will also be published in our anthology. Uh, They also win $200, which we're happy to be able to to do. Our second- and third-place winners win $100 and $50, respectively, plus they are published in our e-team. And our next issue has our second and third place winners of Mm -hmm. the 2019 contest as our featured authors.
1: Both very nice stories. And we always have a celebrity judge to pick the actual winners. Mm -hmm.
0: Nice. Oh, so much fun. No wonder you're getting so many submissions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so at the time that this interview goes live, it will be October 2019, Mm -hmm. and you're – contest then opens January 1st. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Like, how does it work? There's a theme. Um, What are some of the, it seems like an obvious question, but um, sometimes you have to be obvious and say, for instance, if your story doesn't have an animal, it's an automatic (laughs) disqualification. But talk to us a little bit about the contest.
2: Well, our contest does have a theme, but we've always broadly interpreted our themes. Uh, And as you said, this uh, contest will be for animal stories. So an animal has to be an important element of the story. It doesn't have to be an actual animal. It can (laughs) be a fantasy animal. It can be an alien animal. It can be an extinct animal. As long as there is... Uh, it's it's a an credible animal <laughs> that is a, an important element of the story. That would be acceptable. But it is the criterion that we use is part of the judgment. If it doesn't seem, mm-hmm. it can't be a winner.
1: But we do like originality a lot.
2: <laughs> yes, that's true. When we uh, got our uh, co- contest entries for the 2019 contest, I coordinate the contest and send out the stories to people so that they can be judged blindly. And I got a lot of feedback that there were a lot of stories about dogs who died. Well, our our celebrity judge this year was John Grogan who wrote Marley and Me. And of course, at the end, I hope this isn't a spoiler alert, but Marley dies. And I think that people were channeling John Grogan But I think he probably realized he'd already written that book and didn't need to pick that as a contest winner. Uh, So really, the ones that were breaking that mold got more uh, higher scores than -hmm. followed in the usual uh, trodden path. Nice. Mm -hmm. And
0: um, so... Josh has already been the celebrity judge for the 2019 contest, right? Do you have someone on, on the books yet? for two, uh, It's so hard for me to say 2020 because I'm like, no, it's not 2020 yet. Yes, it is almost 2020.
1: <laughs> I suppose since this is going out in October, this uh, interview, we can announce the judge here. Okay. I'm kind of keeping it secret. you sure. Okay. Because no, this will it's, probably come out okay. around October 3rd, I think. So, yeah, we'll already make the announcement by then. So, yes, our celebrity judge for this time is uh, Spencer Quinn, otherwise known as Peter Abrahams, and he writes a series of detective stories from a dog's point of view. They're called the uh, Chet and Bernie Mysteries. The first book is called Dog on It, and he's written about 12 or 13 books. He's quite popular, a New York Times bestselling author. Very wow. nice man.
0: That's amazing. I'm so impressed that you guys – and. This may, I would love to know the answer to this question because I want to know if the answer is sometimes you just have to ask, how do you get such well-known, respected authors to agree to be your celebrity judge?
1: Sometimes you just have to ask. <laughs> authors are usually very nice people, you know, if you approach them respectfully.
2: And knows uh, Spencer Quinn, too, so that helped.
1: Uh, A little bit, John, yeah.
2: Don Grogan happens to live in this area so the lehigh valley of pennsylvania so we were able to connect on that level um we've also had jonathan mayberry who was a personal friend of some of our members uh hank philippe ryan who i met through various conferences um we've had agents we've had uh what carrie vaughn
1: we've had Mm -hmm. had,
2: um marissa corvisario a number of very uh, accomplished people and we're always very grateful for their time mm-hmm. we try not to uh take too much of their time though we do filter down the uh submissions to just a uh, finite number so that they don't have to read everything they read our finalists and then rank order them from there
0: nice so maybe five to ten
1: no, usually three to five, maybe uh, six most, yeah.
0: That's good, yeah. Yeah, I can see how people would be like, sure, I'll read six short, short stories.
1: <laughs> and the short stories are 2,000-word count limits, so they're not too long.
0: Okay, I just remembered the conversation I had with Marianne. I don't know if I've written that many, um, hi, just a short note to say emails that are 2,000 <laughs> words or less. <laughs> You know, that's true. Short stories can be quite a challenge to,
1: mm-hmm. keep
0: it, to keep it short. Yeah. And isn't that probably part of how you can really tell the ones, oh, this is a good one. This is going to be one of the finalists. Or, you know, it's it's going to be in my yes pile, not my no pile if in the initial judging.
2: Well, there are lots of ways of doing that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Wow! All right, let's just look and see if there is anything else. There's a thousand. The more I talk to you, the more I'm like, there's a thousand questions that I could ask. Let me let me start with this one. Um, We'll we'll have you go uh, separately. So Carol, I'll I'll ask you first and the same question, uh, mostly just so that we don't have to look at each other and decide (laughs) who's going to talk next. But um, so people are listening they're thinking, oh, do I want to do any of these things? Do I want to ask my writer's group to do any of these things? Hmm, Me and my three friends, we already do some of these things. What are some of the things that now with, my goodness, uh, nearly 10 years, well, depending on how you look at it, more than 10 years of experience in several of these areas, what would you say to someone sitting down with a coffee? Um, these are some of the things that I think that you should consider to help you decide whether or not any of these paths are for you and your writers' groups?
2: That's a broad question. Uh, I think that you want to prioritize what it is that you want to be doing. Are you primarily interested in your writing? And if that's the only interest you have, doing these other things may build your platform, but is it worth the cost of time? But, Beyond that, I think you want to know that you've got the support and the continual support of others, because no writer is an island. One must have others who are willing to put in the time and effort, even when things aren't going well, and especially when things aren't going well, so that you can keep the quality high of whatever it is you decide to do. And also, there is some cost. do you have the resources and will you continue to have resources to cover the costs that you incur? Those are the questions I think that are primary.
0: Excellent. Anne, what are your thoughts? And particularly now you've been working on this, but now you're the editor in charge. So maybe you had some thoughts and they have recently changed. Tell us what your thoughts are as far as giving advice.
1: Well, I think you need to really ask yourself, does the idea of finding, supporting and bringing out other people's work really interest or excite you? Because that is what this is really about. Uh, if you're actually going to go out there and take other people's work, judge it and put it forth into the world, you have to really find that connection and that possibility interesting. And. It's something I think about when I, it's my job to send out the rejection and acceptance notices. And every time I have to send a rejection notice, I think, well, this is going to make somebody stay a little bit sadder. Because it's very hard to uh, create something that's deeply personal and hope that somebody likes it and then have someone say, no, this wasn't good enough. Which is not necessarily the case. It might just be that we don't have the space for it. But anyway, no's are very hard to hear. But sending out the acceptance notices and then hearing back usually, like within an hour, oh, yes, my God, this made my day. That is a wonderful feeling. So if you think that sort of thing is going to help you with your writing, is worth fostering that connection, that's a good reason for doing it.
0: These are wonderful answers. I love this listeners. I hope you 're really taking this in because that that just seems to sum up you know there's a lot of work, and why are you doing it? Both of you in different ways said, "Ask yourself why you want to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think you answered my own question. I think that I will put away uh, in the trash my guilt for not doing <laughs> a more volunteering sort of thing because even though I love like seeing light bulb moments and stuff on writer's faces, I actually like doing it in person in a teaching style. And, um, and that's the thing that, um, of course, I want to be paid for it. But honestly, secretly, I think I would do it for free because <laughs> I really like it. So I totally see how... Um, fostering fostering other writers and and having those moments of just knowing how excited this person was when they sent this email that would be awesome and if that was your thing i think that would be a a, a beautiful reason to to be involved in such project sure nice wow okay this is really cool. I want to ask you more questions, but we probably should kind of wrap up. Um, if the, you had any last thoughts, though, please throw them in. But my next question was going to be, where can people find out more about these projects that you're doing?
1: Go ahead, Carol.
2: Oh, well, um, the uh, URL for Bethlehem Writers Roundtable is bwgridersroundtable.com. And if you want to find out more about the Bethlehem Writers Group, our um, group URL is BethlehemWritersGroup.com.
0: Excellent. And there's probably links in between them, right? If you get to one site, there's probably a link to get to the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes,
2: there is. And the contest is listed on the Writers' Roundtable site. So mm-hmm. the Writers' Roundtable Short Story Award. And if you look at the tabs at the top of the website, you will see uh, that for the short story award.
0: Excellent. Now, um, you're also writers, so be sure to let
1: us know where people can find your books as well. <laughs> That's what I was kind of expecting. Carol writes wonderful mysteries.
2: <laughs> oh, thank
1: you,
2: Anne. <laughs> <Like> wonderful fantasy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are great. All right, Carol, let's finish you. Where are your books located? Uh, what's your website?
2: Um, This is my book, Death in Glenville Falls, which I was honored to be given a a finalist for both the the Indie Book Award, Next Generation Indie Book Award, and the 2019 Killer National Silver Fouchian Award. Um, And my website is carollwright.com. I'm also on Facebook, Carol L. Wright Author. So you can find me both places.
1: Excellent. All right, Anne, tell us where we can find you. All right. My website is wordsmeetworld.com. So that's www.wordsmeetworld.com. And I can also be found at the um, World Weaver Press site. I have copies of my books here to show. So this is the Moonfall Mayhem series. First book is The Falling of the Moon. Nice. Into the Moonless Night is the third book. Sorry, they're out of order. Here's the second book, (laughs) (laughs) The Meddlers of Moonshine. And the first two books won Book of the Year at the site One Book Two. So they won awards also.
0: Congratulations to both of
1: you. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm on Twitter as Moonfall Mayhem. That's my handle. And I can be found on BookBub, Goodreads, and Amazon as well.
0: Excellent. Good. Well, I'm sure people are going to want to check out the books and the the website for the group. And do I remember correctly, um, can just anybody go and read the uh, e-zine online? Yes. That's wonderful. Awesome. Well, I'm sure at the very least people are going to go um, read it. I know I'm going to. And I'm going to start thinking about how in the world could I write an entire story in 2,000 words? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you both for
1: being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time.
2: With our pleasure. Thank you very much for
1: having us. Yes, this was a lot of fun. I hope to talk to you some more in the future.